NASCAR fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. Welcome to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy. It all comes down to this, the final week of the season with five drivers still battling it out for the 2022 NTT IndyCar Series Championship. Just 41 points separate the top five heading into Sunday's Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey. It's the closest championship battle since the 2003 Indy Racing League Championship when 30 points separated the top five heading into the final race. That year, a young Scott Dixon won the first of his six IndyCar championships. 19 years later, Dixon is one of the contenders for the 2022 title. A strong second-place finish by Team Penske's Will Power in last Sunday's Grand Prix of Portland combined with an eighth-place finish for teammate Joseph Newgarden, allowed Power to stretch his lead from just three points to 20 points. Dixon is also 20 points behind, but Newgarden gets the tiebreaker with season victories. Five wins for Newgarden to two for Dixon, who finished third at Portland after starting 16th. This year's Indianapolis 500 winning driver Marcus Erickson of Chip Ganassi Racing is third, 39 points out. Another Team Penske driver, Scott McLaughlin, was the story of the weekend at Portland. He won the pole on Saturday and dominated the race on Sunday, leading 104 of the 110 laps in the race and defeating power by 1.1792 seconds. Prior to the race, McLaughlin took note of the fact that entering Portland 54 points out, he was overlooked in the battle for the title. But with his big win, he moved up to fourth in the standings, 41 points out, although he still needs some help to win the championship. Maximum points available in an IndyCar race other than the Indianapolis 500 is 50 points for the win, one point for the pole, one point for leading a lap, and two points for leading the most laps, which makes maximum points 54. The 2021 NTT IndyCar Series champion Alex Pillow of Chip Ganassi Racing and Arrow McLaren SP driver Pato Award were both eliminated from the championship. Will Power can clinch his second NTT IndyCar Series championship Sunday if he finishes third or higher in the Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey. The Team Penske driver was second at that track in 2019, but 26th last year. 
The hero of this past weekend, though, was Scott McLaughlin. I caught up with the Grand Prix of Portland winner in the Team Penske office motorhome after he scored his third career IndyCar Series victory for this exclusive Pit Pass Indy interview. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy, it's race winner Scott McLaughlin, winner of the Grand Prix of Portland. Man, talk about a dominating performance. You started on the pole, led all but four laps in a 110-lap race. And now you're back in it. You're back in the championship hunt, 41 points out with one race to go. How do you describe your dominant victory at Portland? It's exactly what we wanted to do. You know, we were, we were, we were so focused on, you know, um, you know, being the best this weekend and trying to get pole, trying to get a win, be the most le laps led, get every every point we could. And we did that. And I'm really proud of everyone for that. And, um, yeah, it's just a it's just a weekend that's been building for a long time. The last you know sort of half a dozen races. So really proud of everyone. Um, and we'll go to Laguna with a good chance to you know at least get maybe top three in the championship, which is really cool. Third career IndyCar victory. All three of them have been from the pole. Yeah. Do we see a pattern? There? <laughs> Look, I think it definitely helps qualifying on pole. Um, and we'll keep pressing on there. But um, you know, I think uh, you know we've we've been close this year. We nearly had five wins this year. We just missed out on Texas. We just missed out on Nashville. And um, you know, to have three wins is special. I wanted one this year, and uh, I wanted one pole and one win, and and I've got three and three. And uh, when you look at a track like Portland, I believe on Saturday after you won the pole, it was either you or uh, your teammate, Will Power, that said you wanted a straightforward race, one that was green so that there wasn't going to be any strategy uh, that was going to determine the winner, flip-flop the winner from the back to the front. And that's pretty much what you got because there was only four laps of caution. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's um, for us, it's, you know, it was ideal that, that we got a green flag start, a green flag start. We were able to build a gap and that's really the gap that I sort of relied on till the last restart. Um, and I knew I had pace up my, my sleeve. Um, it's just a matter of just, you know, doing the, doing the job. And um, yeah, we, we were, we were really strong in that last restart. I managed to pull a gap and hold it. And then I'm, you know, we got max points. Anytime one team has three drivers in a battle for a championship, there's going to be one guy that's going to be very happy Two guys that aren't going to be quite very happy in the day. That was uh, Joseph Newgarden and Will Power. Even though he increased his championship lead, he looks back at the 11 points said he won the race. How difficult is that when you've got three competitive guys all fighting for the same prize? Yeah, look, I think we're all going to be wanting max points, but... You know, Will had the chance yesterday to get pole and he didn't get it. So, and, and he would have been able to leave from the front and get going exactly like I did today and he didn't. So, um, for me, I've, I've, I just focused on what I needed to do and to be strong. And, um, you know, I feel like we're, we just, we just focus on ourselves and, and, um, just continue to just be, you know, fast and, and, and up the front and, uh, yeah, it sucks, you know, absolutely. We're very competitive between all of us. We want to rip each other's head off. <laughs> but it's, it's you know, that's sometimes there's got to be one loser. And that's that's what happened with those two today. But Will's point lead has increased from three to 20. Scott Dixon is also back, 20 points back. And then there's yourself that's 41 back. Marcus Erickson is still in the mix, 39 points back. That's still a lot of drivers that can still win this thing in a one-race shootout. Oh, look, it is. Um, and anything can happen. That's why we've just got to you know, focus on ourselves. I guess we're coming in the longest shot but with at least to lose so we can do what we want in some ways. Um, we'll focus on that. 
try and uh, you know, have a bit of fun come to the last race and, and see where we end up. First time in IndyCar history, all three drivers have been from New Zealand and Australia. Yeah. So as a New Zealander who made his reputation racing in Australia, yeah. how does that feel to be part of an IndyCar first? It's cool. Very cool. And I think that's something that, uh, you know, the shout out to all Australian and New Zealanders that, you know, if you ever want to come to America, you can be successful here. And um, I think I was really excited and I was able to beat those two, you know. They're two of my, like, guys that I've looked up to for a long time. And, um, you know, it was awesome to, you know, go toe-to-toe with them today and come out on top. One race left in the season. It's at Monterey, California. How do you like that course? I love it. It's probably my favorite road course. So super excited to go there. I feel like we're going to have a really good package there. Um, there's no reason why we can't do what we did this weekend. Wrapping up here with Grand Prix of Portland race winner Scott McLaughlin. You began the week at Freightliner in the E-Cascadia simulator. The Energy uh, first EV transporter is going to be part of the uh, Team Penske IndyCar fleet. And you end up in victory lane at Portland International Raceway. So when you think about it, that's a pretty good trip. No, it is a, a great trip. You know, I think... Uh, to win in front of you know Freightliner, you know, Freightliner's hometown um, is awesome, and you know it was a great start to the the week. You know, being able to just go go see those people at Daimler and, and catch up with them, and and um, they were all super pumped, and a lot of people were coming out to watch it. So I held my end up of the bargain and, and and said I'd win, and and I got the got the Freightliner car in victory lane. That's what I definitely uh, think is a return on investment for yeah, a sponsorship. Absolutely, Scott McLaughlin. Good luck at the final race of the season, and congratulations on what was just a pure ass kicking <laughs> at Port. Yeah. And, uh, Thanks, that was a hell of a a hell of a race to lead all but four laps on a 110 lap race. Yep. Thank you for joining us on Pit Pass. Thanks. Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate it. Behind every winning race driver is a crew of mechanics and engineers who help devise a winning car or formulate the winning strategy. For McLaughlin, that man is race engineer Ben Bretzman. Here's my interview with Bretzman in Victory Lane after McLaughlin's big win at Portland in this Pit Pass Indy exclusive. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is the winning team engineer for Scott McLaughlin of the Grand Prix of Portland. It's Ben Bretzman. Ben, it seemed like a flawless race for your driver. He started on the pole, led all but four of the 110 laps in the race. How often are you able to strategize a race that goes this smoothly? Uh, it's it's tough, right? You want a, you want a perfect execution if you can. And uh, but today we we had one of those deals where we had we tested here. We were quick, and we knew we had a fast car. And so when you had a fast car, you just use it. Um, so we did a, a big attack race there, and it worked out well. Scott, you did a great job. And a lot of that has to do with the driver, knowing the feel of the car, the feel of the track and everything. And what was it about Scott today that we, he was just so dominant? Uh, he just he was able to hold the tires very well. Thank you. He was able to hold the tires really well. He was able to kind of manage the gaps. We would pull a gap, and then we'd manage it the whole race. It worked out really well uh, with how we could hold the tires on. And in a lot of ways, I think he was a little miffed entering the race weekend that he wasn't considered to still be in the points race. They were talking about the top five, and I believe at that time he was in the, the top seven. And he kind of made a mention of the fact like, hey, I'm still alive. Yeah, very much so. He's very much so still in the game here. And uh, this just proved it. I think it gave him a little motivation. And, uh, and now, yeah, I think... We'll see what happens. Obviously, we're still pretty far out, but you never know. We just wanted a chance, so we'll see what we got. He's going to enter the final race of the season 41 points out. I believe there's 53 total points that are eligible. He's got some pretty tough drivers ahead of him. 
Will Power increased his lead in the championship to 20. He entered with a three-point lead over Joseph Newgarden. Now it's 20. And also Scott Dixon is 20 points back. So in a lot of ways, how would you assess Will Power and his ability to open up a bigger lead on the championship from second place? Uh, Will's had an amazing year. Um, I'd call it an, a not a normal Will Power year. He's been epically consistent and very strong. Um, I got to give it to Will. He's kind of re taking a different look, different approach this year, and he's done a really good job of staying out of trouble. Um, if he keeps doing what he's doing, he's going to be really hard to beat. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. He's, he's pretty strong at Laguna, so you never, you know, we'll see. Right now, it's conceivable that Team Penske could finish the season sweeping the top three in the championship. And how big a goal would that be? That's our, that's our goal to finish the season. We want to be one, two, three and kind of show how dominant our cars have been this year. We've been really, really strong all year and just want to cap it off with a, finish, a strong finish there. The engineer for Scott McLaughlin of the Freightliner Chevrolet, congratulations on your dominant victory at the Grand Prix of Portland. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you so much. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Welcome back to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy. Our next guest isn't in contention for the 2022 NTT IndyCar Series Championship, but he certainly knows what it takes to win titles. It's seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson, who will be completing his second season in IndyCar in Sunday's race at Monterey, California. Johnson hopes to return to IndyCar in 2023 and is in the middle of sponsor negotiations for a potential third season. Here is my interview with Johnson as he reflects on the highs and the lows 
of his career switch to IndyCar and his outlook for the future in this Pit Pass Indy exclusive interview. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is the driver of the number 48 Carvana American Legion Honda. It's Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy, you're getting ready to finish your second season in IndyCar. How would you evaluate the full season after running a partial season in 2021? It's been great. I mean, I honestly have had a, a great time um, to run the, the full schedule, to be embedded with Chip Ganassi Racing week in and week out. My, my teammates, this paddock, everybody that's in it to be a part of this community has, has been really fun. I got to experience Indy 500, you know, and the weeks being there and the buildup and the pageantry that, that goes into it. Uh, so all in all, it's been a great experience. I feel like I have made gains behind the wheel on the street and road courses, although I wish they were a bit more significant, uh, but I still am making gains. And then, you know, to introduce the ovals this year and to have a top five and to finish in the top 10, um, and, you know, and to be in the mix a bit, that, that was that was a lot of fun as well. The ovals have given you your best of times and also maybe your, your most disappointing race. Uh, the best of times obviously was the High V Iowa doubleheader, where you finished a career best fifth in the second race after leading 19 laps in the Saturday race. The disappointing oval was the actual race day at the Indy 500. Yeah. How would you evaluate your whole oval experience and how much easier the car feels to you and your previous driving style? Yeah, I think that when I look at my ovals, oval races this year, the track that was single groove, which was Indy, was my most difficult track to, to feel the car and understand it and to, to really understand how to work the, the aero disadvantage you have as a trailing car and to make passes. All the other tracks, there was a second lane. And especially Iowa, you know, that second lane was predominant in the entire race weekend. And in my experience from NASCAR really allowed me to exploit that. Um, so I think my development is good. I still think that sensing this car a bit more in dirty air is something I can improve on. And as I do that, I think it might help me globally on, on all tracks. And when you uh, look at the race weekend at Iowa, you've been used to a lot of heavily promoted races when you were in NASCAR. But Hy-V really stepped up that weekend. And what did you as an outsider to IndyCar think of that level of promotion for that weekend and how successful it was? Yeah, I mean, I was super impressed with their commitment, the energy at the track, the way the fans supported it, and honestly, how well it was received by the competitors and everybody that, that tuned in and watched. So great racing, um, great musical act that they had in place. You know, all in all, I think that they uh, they really doubled down on the, the sport of IndyCar and, and treated us well, and, and it went over well. Now, at Monterey, you get the return of the corkscrew. You had a lot of fun going through that corkscrew last year, passing a couple of drivers toward the end of the race. How much fun is that, and how would you describe that unique turn to anything you've experienced in racing? Yeah, there's nothing like it. I mean, the ascent up to the corkscrew is much steeper than TV would ever suggest. And then you have this very short little flat section to try to get the car stopped. And once you turn in, you blindly take a guess at where you're going to position the car based on an oak tree that's set, sitting on the outside of the the, cork, the final turn of the corkscrew. And uh, you know, then you add the element of trying to pass a car in there. It, it's a compressed area to get stuff done. So it, it's really a lot of fun to drive it, especially when you can make a competitive pass up there. The American Legion has been a key part of your program. Last month at the end of August, you were able to go to the American Legion Convention in Milwaukee 
where you were inducted as a member of the Sons of the American Legion. How big of an honor is that for you? That's a huge honor. With my grandfather serving, a brother-in-law that served, um, it, it's uh, it, it's an honor to be a part of Sons of the Legion, and um, you know, excited about you know the years that we're going to spend together and the support that I want to offer to the American Legion. Um, we we made an announcement that uh, we're going to. Uh, pledge $1.5 million to the American Legion um, over the coming years. Um, you know, being being as close as I was to the Legion this year and and just seeing the great work that they do uh, compelled my wife and I to, to step up and, um, and go out and fundraise for them and, and make a big contribution. And I'm sure the reaction that you got from the American Legion, as you said earlier, was a standing ovation. That had to really warm your heart to a degree as to how important it is to that organization to receive such a pledge. Yeah, it, it did. But, you know, it's wild as the folks in attendance that stood up and applauded me are all men and women that have served our country and, and you know, defended the freedoms that I'm able to enjoy. So as they stood, I took great pride in it. But I just wish there was a way I could say thank you back to them. Maybe, maybe that is through the support that I'm giving. But, um, you know, they, they, they've they've uh, they've done far more than I could ever do, and I, I'm so thankful for them. And as you reflect back on the two years you've had so far in IndyCar, you're finishing off the 2022 season. Just how much better you are now at IndyCar than you were that first race at Barber back in April of 2021? Yeah, I'm, I'm light years ahead of that. Uh, still have a long way to go, but I, I feel like I'm in such a better place now. Um, feeling the car correctly, giving the right input. I understand where the tracks, you know, where the track turns are, where, where, where to park when I show up my rent-a-car. So there are many elements to this that are much easier for me now, and, and I do feel like I'm in the sport. And hopefully we see you back in 2023 in a full-time IndyCar yeah, effort. Yeah, that, that would be amazing. Hopefully we get some stuff ironed out soon. Jimmy Johnson, driver of the number 48 Carvana American Legion Honda. Good luck the rest of the season. Good luck at Laguna Seca. And thank you for joining us on Pit Pass Indy. Awesome. Appreciate it. It's time to double dip as our feature interviews from driver we talked to previously on the show. It's Scott McLaughlin of Team Penske. I had a chance to spend last Wednesday with McLaughlin at Daimler headquarters in Portland, Oregon, as he got a chance to look over an eCascadia built by Daimler for Freightliner. The all-electric eCascadia joins the fleet at Team Penske that hauls the team's IndyCars and pit equipment to the track. After driving the truck on the simulator, McLaughlin rode in the real truck to Portland International Raceway delivering the pit support trailer to the IndyCar paddock. Afterwards, I had a chance to do an in-depth interview with McLaughlin for Pit Pass Indy. Joining us today on Pit Pass Indy is Scott McLaughlin, driver of the number three Chevrolet at Team Penske. Scott, you got to do something a little interesting before last weekend's Portland Grand Prix. You spent most of Wednesday at Daimler with the E-Cascade, an electric vehicle that is going to be used in the fleet of transporters they use here at Team Penske. If you could describe to our listeners uh, what the role was involved and uh, what's it like to see EV technology enter IndyCar, at least through transporters. Yeah, it's uh, it was something very cool to be a part of. Freightliner, you know, its home base is Portland. That's where its HQ was, and there was an opportunity for our IndyCar to be transported to the racetrack from HQ um, to to the race. You know, 
as a by an electric hauler, and uh, it was the E Cascadia is a awesome piece of machinery and something that um, is really cool to be a part of. And 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 you know Penske is really proud of that. They were one of the first companies in the world to receive a uh, an electric uh, heavy duty vehicle for their leasing company. Um, now Daimler, uh, Daimler have uh, actually set up an electric island it's called it's the first of its kind in the world set up for heavy duty and medium duty uh, charging facility for those sort of cars and trucks so it was awesome to be a part of see it all and um, yeah I think it's uh, you know I think IndyCar and, and Penske itself take this pretty seriously with Shell coming on board next year with renewable fuels and, and then obviously with the Wyoli tyre from Firestone during the, during the year that we saw at Nashville that's uh, you know mostly sustainable too so it's pretty exciting the fact that the IndyCar series is leading the way in international motorsports and sustainability is uh, pretty important because they're not only talking about it, they're actually doing something about it. Yeah, look, you can talk as much as you want, but without doing, without the people that we have supporting the series, like Shell, like Firestone, like Freightliner and Daimler, it's um, you know, it's it's hard to put that stuff into action. And these 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 companies have been really great with everything, you know, setting everything up, you know, making sure that we're using renewable uh, sources and and making our our category as, as sustainable as it can be for a motorsport series. You know, we all know it's not the most sustainable um, way to go uh, have a sport or whatever, but we're doing our best to make it better and better every year and I think to be on top of that IndyCar is one of the best in the world at being on top of it there is the inevitability though that one day motor, most forms of motorsports are going to have to switch over to some form of EV technology I don't know whether the spectators are ready for that yet because they love big fast loud internal combustion engines but as a competitor do you believe it's pretty much a given that as the years go by the entire nature of motorsports is going to have to shift in that direction. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's ultimately that's just what manufacturers and what other people are asking for these days. You know, certain sponsors and stuff they're asking is this going to be sustainable for the future and it's important to their company and their morals. Um, so it's important that we go with the times. But I think if you look at it, yeah, there's going to be people that aren't going to accept it in some ways, and you can't change their opinion. But at the same time, I think the generations coming up now and our new younger fans, you know, that conversation is being talked about a lot more now compared to how it used to be. So I think it will be a little bit more easier received uh, in future years to come because it's been educated from a very early age. When you drive for Team Penske, you have a lot of opportunities for corporate meet and greets. Uh, there's a lot of B2B, business-to-business uh, um, projects that go on between Team Penske and a variety of the companies that they're involved with. Mm. You got to do a meet-and-greet at Daimler, got to meet a lot of the uh, employees. Yeah. What was their reaction like to have an IndyCar driver there to talk to and to sign autographs for and to pose pictures yeah, with? Yeah, it's, it's definitely something that they don't really do that often or see that often. And to see one thing that's really cool about that visit was we actually had the real car there. You know, not often you have, you know, the real car at a, at a, a showing. And, and, you know, because we are on the West Coast, it was important that we, you know, we don't have really a show car available. It's just hard to get here. So using the real race car was what it was. And they were appreciative of that. I met a lot of very smart people. I met a lady that had a PhD in battery chemistry, I think. It was crazy. And like very smart lady talking to her about hybrid technology. Um, very, yeah, impressive. I think anyone with a PhD, it's very impressive. So um, a lot of smart people there, a lot of people that are really interested in IndyCar racing, what we were doing with Freightliner. And it's a, yeah, it's just exciting uh, collaboration. Did you find that a lot of the employees were up to speed with IndyCar? They knew what was going on? Yeah, there's a few in there that were sort of probably 
comparing the car to a Formula One car or what's the difference, you know, the normal sort of thing you get, but explaining to them that, you know, this is a spec series with the same chassis and we have, you know, changes with the, the suspensions and stuff that we can do as a team. You know, they, they slowly got into it, but there's a lot of people there that weren't coming out to the race on the weekend that eventually came out and that's that's what's really exciting and that's why we do that sort of stuff. The E-Cascadia that brought your car and your transporter or the support transporter over to Portland International Raceway, certainly an impressive looking livery with the black and light blue colors. And it's going to be, it was highly visible during the race weekend. Um, how important do you think it is to be able to showcase something like that at an IndyCar event? Oh, it's, it's important. You know, I think we had such a great show in Iowa. We had a lot of co- coverage there with the car and, and people were really loving the blue, but then figuring out what the blue was for was important and that's why we're doing it and um yeah it's exciting you know to be in the, these colors uh, in those colors again at, at portland and, and be able to race in front of many people and you know, i think slowly people are understanding like the e cascadia and what it is about and and um yeah what it is and uh that's the whole you know thing we want as any team you know the activation between sponsor and car um you know to to it, it helps everyone, you know, coverage for everyone, but you, you get to learn about certain products. You get to learn about certain companies and what they stand for. And um, I think this has been a great example on how, how we get that done. When you drive for Team Penske, you will have an opportunity to wear many different fire suits and many different car liveries because of the number of companies that the Penske Corporation is involved with. In 2022, how many different driving uniforms and how many different paint schemes did you have? I think I get three suits per car, at least. Uh, I think if you add that up, I don't know, that's a lot of, that's probably like over 35, 36 race suits. Um, so it's pretty crazy, but I, I've got to thank, you know, Roger, there's no, you know, expense you know, spared. You know, they make sure that the, the suits always look good. Um, it's always nice putting on a new race suit. Um, but, you know, we have tremendous partners at this team. You know, the people that have supported me and I think we've brought on some really amazing sponsors as well. With, you know, Gallagher, they've come on board. They're supporting, you know, the Indy, Indy uh, Annapolis Motor Speedway as well. Like they're going to be huge. You know, and their presence in the sport is going to be fantastic for years to come. And, you know, obviously the Pennzoil Yellow Submarine and bits and pieces. Like we, we have great partners and and um yeah in this day and age it's you know it's hard to come by those relationships and um yeah it's exciting without being prompted can you rattle off all the primary sponsors you had this year yep so i had uh first race was dex then went to expel uh i've had freightliner obviously odyssey battery pens oil snap on uh on the spot here i've had um Oh, Gallagher. Oh, my God. Gallagher. That's that's a massive one for me. Sonsio. Oh, my God. Sonsio. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, basically, to be able to represent Team Penske with so many different sponsors, yeah. how big an honor is that for a race driver, especially somebody who's really only in their second season as an IndyCar driver, you know, who comes from New Zealand? Yeah, look, I've had a lot of support from many different brands, and thankfully, I've got along with a lot of people. Um they didn't know who I was last year and, and now they, they know who I am and they, they're proud for me to represent them and that means a lot, their trust. And, um, yeah, it's exciting for me moving forward because I meet a lot of different people. I meet a lot of big companies and, 
and uh, you know, having a lot of contacts as well. And that's important in this sport. Um, but to have the trust of many blue chip brands is, is a big thing for me. And absolutely, you can look at it as a bit of job security as well. You know, when you are supported in this sport by many people and with a lot of money being thrown your way, it's a very cool thing. And, and um, I appreciate their trust. Switching gears here. The season's final race is coming up this weekend at Laguna Seca Raceway, the Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey. You've been in the points battle all the way throughout a very tight group of drivers and teams still alive for the points championship. Most importantly, I see a resurgence at Team Penske because in 2021, other than Joseph Newgarden, the rest of the team had some struggles. Mm. Both uh, you and Will Power probably didn't have the seasons in 2021 that you did. But conceivably, all three of the Team Penske drivers could end up in the top five in 2022. Yeah. And how important is that? And what do you see as being the biggest reason for the turnaround? Uh, look, I think dropping one car was, you know, it wasn't something that we did just because, but it was something that I think has been a positive impact on it. Um, you know, I think being able to relay resources, you know, a bit more to, you know, through the three cars instead of four was a good thing. Um, I think we knew we had to think about it. It was almost kind of nice that we had our butts kicked a little bit last year because it really got our, you know, our smart engineers and our, our people, you know, working on bits and pieces. And to be honest, it got us drivers thinking about it. We had a big meeting in the last year, you know, exactly what we wanted. It was like a wish list from each driver of what we wanted from the cars and they provided that to us. You know, I think bar Indy, I don't think Indy was still up to our standard. I think we still need to be faster there, but you know, from a perspective of, um, you know, the jump that we've made from 21 to 22 in t terms of pace and consistent pace everywhere, it was, it was a, a really good jump and probably one of the best jumps that a team made, you know, since, since those two seasons. In 2021, you were a rookie and you wanted to win your first race, obviously, as a rookie, especially with your great career that you had in Australia in supercars. But how disappointing was it that you weren't able to get to victory lane and how big a relief was it to start off the season? at St. Pete by winning the first race of 2022. Yeah, ultimately, I think 20, even though we won the Rookie of the Year, like it was it was a disappointing year for me. I felt like we just weren't consistent enough. And um, But, but then at the end of the day, at the end of that year, I felt like something clicked with me from Nashville onwards and I felt like really comfortable in the car and where I was sitting for this year. So I came into St. Pete this year with a whole heap of confidence. I didn't think I was going to win St. Pete, but I felt like I could have a chance. Um, but that was a huge weight off my shoulders and could really let me go and I could get loose and, and have a bit of fun. And, and um, yeah, I feel like I've just been a, a lot more of a complete driver this year and have really enjoyed that and um, and had a lot of fun doing it. So, yeah, I think we, we're, we're, we're building – I think we've been fast enough to win the championship this year. Just things haven't gone our way. Um Hopefully, you know, Laguna Seca this weekend, we can maybe have a have a chance at it. But um, I think we've made a really good stamp in the, gra the ground that, you know, for years to come, our team can be really strong and, and continue to push forward and, and, and maybe fight for more championships moving forward from the three car for sure. In the last couple of years, even though he didn't win the championship, Joseph Newgarden was a contender all the way to the last race of the season, had a couple of second place finishes in the championship. But did you sense a renewed emphasis from both Joseph Newgarden and a change from Will Power this year in the way they approached their racecraft? Yeah, I think, honestly, I think 2021 was a big kick up the butt for a lot of people and, and showed how like tough this championship is now, you know, how competitive it is, how many good drivers there is. So people like Will and Joseph, that they didn't have it easy before, but like it made them sort of think, 
you know, what negatives do they have and, and made them better and stronger. And it was the same for me, to be honest, not just sort of resting on the laurels that hey, I'm in a Penske car and, you know, things were going to be there or thereabouts. Um, I think uh, yeah, they've come back. They're, they're great drivers. Will's a new man. Obviously, he's very, you know, calm and, you know, measured, a um, lot more mature, obviously. And then you've got Joseph, who's just, he's a complete package, just needed some luck to go his way. Um, he's very fast. And, and to have those two as teammates, like, has made me better. You know, I feel like I'm driving better than I ever have in my whole career. And, um, you know, and I put a lot of it down to just, you know, the, the competitiveness between us three. Also, what about the burgeoning friendship, relationship that you have with Joseph? You do a YouTube series called Bus Bros. You both look like you have a lot of fun doing that. What's it been like to be able to be part of that project with Joseph? Yeah, it's fun. I mean... We both want to go out on the racetrack and rip each other's head off. Like that's just part of it. But like we are very competitive and want to beat each other. And we, but I think the best part about that is we're very open on that. We don't say, oh, you know, man, I hope you do good or whatever. Like we're very like, oh, I'm gonna beat you. Or you know, it's very competitive, but it's an upfront honesty competitiveness. And you know, there's there's no rest on your laurels there. And and that that's something that I think's made us closer. And I think that's why we're very similar people. But then I think being upfront and honest with each other about a few things and how things are going to go has made us even closer. I think we're very good teammates for that reason. You know, I'm going to do everything I can to beat him in the championship and he's going to do the same for me. Um, but we've also struck up this friendship off the track that we can sort of forget about the racing as well. And I think it's been, to be honest, it's been good for me. I'm pretty sure it's been good for Joseph. Like it's just a release and, um, you know, I, I think it's not going to be one of those cases where winners are going to end. It's I think it's just going to get bigger and better. And, and uh, you know, I'm excited by that. I enjoy Joseph as teammates, probably one of the best teammates I've ever had. Um, he's the hardest, probably the hardest teammate I've ever had in terms of pace and raw speed. Um, but he makes me better and I make him better and, and I enjoy that. And because you were the most successful driver in the history of Australian supercars, do you ever sometimes want to say, all right, Joseph, let's see how good you are. Let's see how well you do in a supercar at Mount Panorama. We've talked about like, you know, a wild card maybe, but uh, for the most part, you know, it, it, it's going to be very hard to do it. And, you know, for me, like I've won Bathurst, so like it's not on the priority list right now. I'm just focused on just what I'm doing here. I'm going to have – there's too many bad habits that I've got to – bring back into the cause that I try to get rid of for IndyCar racing. Um, but, you know, I think everyone back home respects that. It would be awesome to see Joseph in it one day, maybe when we're uh, old and slow and retired, maybe we can go over and, and race Bathurst. And finally, just the leadership of the team in 2022. Tim Sendrick is obviously involved on the day-to-day -day operations, the overall guidance of Team Penske. Roger Penske has a lot of stuff on his plate from – running the Penske Corporation, also owning IndyCar and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, when you see the, the role now that Tim Sendrick plays in the overall direction of the team, obviously it looks like it was a massive improvement this year. Yeah, look, I think TC, I've, I've been very close to him over many years now. Um, he's a great you know, leader, um, you know, he's a great, uh, I guess you could say informant for Roger. Um, and then you've got, I think another, pe other people that haven't, don't get enough credit is Rodden Rizuski and, and Kyle Moyer. You know, they're great guys. Kyle leads the troops really well. Ron's a great manager of, of the day-to-day -day operations when TC's busy, um, between NASCAR and IndyCar. 
Um, so I think we've got a really good front office and, and, and everyone's working together really well. Um, you know, TC keeps us on our toes. Kyle is my strategist, but I get along with him really well. He's great for the guys and, you know, Ron is Ron. And, and um, you know, we have a lot of fun. We uh, know when to be serious. We know when there's the Penske way need, needs to be sort of portrayed. And, and um, we have three great leaders that, you know, let us know about all that. And even if you do not win the 2022 NTT IndyCar Series Championship, would you look back at 2022 as being a very successful season? Yeah. Look, I, if I graded myself, you know, I'm probably A minus. You know, I feel like I've, you know, I've, I've uh, won races. I, I, if I won the championship, it's an A plus. If I, uh, if I didn't crash an Indy and if I didn't have a few mistakes throughout the year, being a little bit closer to contention, I would have been an A. But I'm an A minus. I've won a couple of races. I've been there or thereabouts. Made a couple of mistakes, but it's been pretty solid. And, um, yeah, I'm really proud of that. He's getting ready for his final exam in Sunday's Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey. Scott McLaughlin, Team Penske, thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy, and good luck in the championship finale at Monterey. Thanks, Bruce. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy. We want to thank our guest, Scott McLaughlin of Team Penske, race engineer Ben Bretzman of Team Penske, and seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore, 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin. And final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.